The safety programs are malfunctioning. Becomes a nightmare. Get me out of here! Once you go in... Defend yourself! You don't come out. I've lost their life signs. They're gone. On the next Star Trek Voyager. You're listening to the Delta Quadrant, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. This is a podcast where we review episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Our episode in review today is called Heroes and Demons. It is episode number 12. The Geos rating for Heroes and Demons is 7.39. And the Nielsen ratings for Heroes and Demons are 6.4, and it ranked 74th that evening. I am Josh in California. And I'm Matt in Arizona. I'm Charlene in North Dakota. I'm JD in New York. And, and uh, we are Trekmate from the United Kingdom. Yes, correct. this week we have a very special crossover episode. The Delta Quadrant meets Trekmate. Exactly. Uh, and for all of our listeners out there, uh, this is Trekmate. My name's Wayne Emery. And my name's... So, hi guys, how are you doing? Good. Good, Good to well. have you on. Yeah, yeah no, thank you for having us. Yeah, no, well, uh, that's the thing, it's a total crossover. Our guys are going to listen to... Uh, all of you guys, just as much as uh, all of your listeners are going to get uh, a, bit us. a bit of us as well. Yeah. yeah, and hopefully both of our podcasts will end up with uh, more listeners as a result. So Definitely. I, I mean, don't see how it couldn't. Just last night you were mentioning how you wanted more American promotion. Well, here you go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely. And hang on, how many timelines are we actually going across talking to you guys? Uh, four, because we're in like four different parts of the country. See, look at yeah. that, you couldn't get better than that. But <laughs> no, and that's it. And then us coming from good old Blighty as well. Well, this should be fun. Definitely. Yeah, no, we've been looking forward to it for weeks. No, I've been looking forward all week to the trivia segment when we get there. Shut oh, up, yeah. Ed. Oh, you're going to mop up the floor with us. Now, yeah. just, just an off-topic off question. Are we doing, like, team versus team, or is this every man for himself? No, oh, this, no, no, this no. is going to be uh, Team Trekmate Trek versus, versus Team Delta Quadrant. Well, then you don't. Then Charlene, you don't have to worry. Yeah, <laughs> oh, okay. That win for all of us. Sweet. 
That's that, the thing. Yeah, totally sweet. Okay. Or should I just declare myself neutral and watch you two battle it out? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> because we need a referee. <laughs> I say no. <laughs> My vote is no two now. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if I stay online, then uh, if I stay in, on my team, then I'll try to let JD, Charlene, and Josh answer, and then if they can't, I'll throw mine in if exactly. I know. Exactly. Well, I, I the, think the, we're going to have to take the first answer as, as gospel. To, to be honest, though, <laughs> we, could, we could play our trump card, and Matt is officially a part of the Trekmate Collective. Just to make it easier, you know, equal team. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I've, so, drunk, so I've, I've done their Borg opening, so now I'm officially part of their collective. Yeah. Hey, I've sent emails. Exchange <laughs> program. You know, like when Riker went on the Klingon ship, you're coming on to us. Exactly. Well, okay, then we'll take JD as well. I could always do it. I could always pull like a Thomas Riker and get a transporter duplicate of myself. <laughs> oh, this is yeah, getting no. way too complicated. No, but yeah, no. For any of uh, our listeners, uh, we're going to be going through the normal Delta Quadrant episode and then we're just throwing in a few of our segments towards the end. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it to you guys to uh, kick off. We'll uh, follow your us. lead. When Voyager comes across a protostar, Janeway has samples of its photonic energy beamed aboard for study and possible use in power converters. After a small glitch, Torres corrects a breach in the transpor- transporter's containment field and safely finishes the samples beaming. But in calling Kim to assist her studies, she learns that the ship sensors cannot detect him in the holodeck or anywhere else on board. Noticing that Kim was last seen on the holodeck, Tuvok performs an intensive scan of the holodeck. Though though there is a high amount of interference, realizing that the holodeck program cannot be shut down, Tuvok and Chakotay enter the program while it's still in progress. Our first clip of the day, they discover the hollow novel Beowulf, which is an emulation of an ancient epic set in 6th century Denmark, as described by Chakotay. They come to the correct assumption that Harry Kim is playing the role of Beowulf. They soon encounter the character known as Freya. She assumes they are Beowulf's men. They go along with the assumption to learn more about Harry Kim's predicament. I am Freya, shield maiden, daughter of King Hrothgar. I hold this guard post against any intruders who would bear us harm, so declare yourselves. I will hear your answer before you march any further through this land. We have no desire to trespass. However, we are on an urgent mission, so if you would allow us to continue, we would appreciate it. What land do you call home? Your faces tell me you are not men of the Danes. Are you... kinsmen of Beowulf? Yes. We are Beowulf's kinsmen. My name is Chakotay, and this is Tuvok. Have you seen Beowulf? Yes. He was like no other. Hair straight and raven black. Eyes bright with fierce fire. The burning gaze of a hero. Grand eloquence notwithstanding. That would qualify as a description of Mr. Kim. How did you know he was Beowulf? This is Harry's hollow novel. It makes sense that he'd be playing the hero. She might be able to help us figure out what happened to him. A reasonable assumption. Your kinsman was a truly noble warrior. It is right you should avenge his death. Yes. But first we'd like to know more about how Beowulf died. Of course. Come, I will take you to the king. What do you guys think of this uh, opening Freya teaser? was quite pretty. The girl was. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember rightly. Can I just say, like, I, I don't know if 
you guys, well, I know Rain, you've been listening. I've been commenting on like the quality of certain uh, guest stars from week to week. Yeah. So, um, but I was actually really, really impressed with this woman. Uh, by the way, I, I didn't read my uh, my normal list of guest stars. This week we have um, Marjorie Monahan as Freya, Christopher Neem as Unferth, Michael Keenan as King Harothgar, and co-starring, of course, Majel Barrett as the computer voice. But I was really impressed with this this woman, Marjorie uh, Monahan. I really, really liked this character. She was very good, very good at what she done. She was very convincing. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah did not. Did it, it's it's kind of surprising because she never appeared in any other Star Trek again. And I was thinking through this whole episode, she would have made a great Klingon. She really would have yeah. done. And considering how many times they get uh, guest stars back uh, in different roles, I f- felt she really did like d- like she paid her dues to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why she never didn't. Uh, I did read on Memory Alpha though that she was one of the runner- she was one of the front runners for the role of T'Pol, believe it or not. Really? Oh. Hmm. No. Yeah. No, I don't see her as a Vulcan. Like I said, I wish she would have come back as a Klingon. That's the thing. I, I struggle to find uh, think of anyone apart from Julian Blaylock as uh, Paul, but oh. I'm sure she. Uh, that's the thing. I don't doubt this woman's acting ability. I'm sure. I'm sure, sure she would have put her own spin on the character. But um, cool. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 hard to see T'Pol as anyone other than like being a lithe sort of pixie-ish sort of person. And this woman, as great as she is, she's not by any definition of the word pixie-ish. No, no. <clears throat> not at all. It would have been a very different dynamic. Well, I rather yeah, totally. uh, I rather enjoy seeing women in medieval armor. Um, yeah, me too. I uh, I'm not. I'll yeah. hold their sword. She, she got the whole. She got the whole Viking costume. Like all she was missing was the horns, but she got the braids and the helmet and the metal brazier and. Oh yeah, I uh, I had <laughs> I once had a, ready for an opera. Well, some years ago, yeah. I, I once had a podcast called Listcast. It was a top five, you know, podcast about movies, and I did it with my brother. And one of our themes one week was uh, top five strong female characters, and my number one that week was. Um, the character of Sorsha from Willow. Oh, yeah. Based yeah. almost entirely on the way she looked in that movie. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, but when she's in her, uh, oh, yeah. her garb, yeah, it's amazing. So I thought this, this woman looked really nice. Yeah, I would have spouted poetry, too, just like Mad Mardigan did. Mm-hmm. Without you, dwell in darkness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as I... As I had mentioned earlier a couple weeks back, I appreciate any good, strong female character role, so I was very happy I got that this week with her. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But also, uh, building up to this scene as well, I enjoyed the um, interaction between Belana and uh, Janeway in engineering when they were transporting the... Uh, en- uh, did they just think it was energy matter? Uh, or, uh, I'm Something trying to think. What they, 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 thought, they thought it was they thought it was photonic energy that they could use yeah, to right. help increase the efficiency. Yeah, yeah and I really, I really enjoyed the scene because uh, through the weeks uh, I feel like because obviously Belana didn't initially warm to Janeway, and it was just nice to see that little bit of interaction there between them, just showing how their like relationships growing. Yeah. Yeah, Janeway takes on, especially with, I would say, Belana, and then later with Seven, she takes on sort of a motherly role to both of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and she does work well with Belana, and we don't get any great, I would say, character development moments, but they are together a lot in this episode. 
kind of keeping no. the story moving. No, because no, because this is the first week we get the character development of a character we've been wanting to see a lead role from this whole time. We finally have our first true. Doctor centric episode. Yes, yeah. it is very, very true. Much so. Oh, he's funny. He oh, he's funny. fantastic. But, uh, but also so, with regards to uh, Janeway and Bellana, though, I think they work best when they're bouncing ideas off of each other. And this was like the first sort of, and like another progression of uh, that sort of relationship as well. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like parallax, they were completing each other's sentences and thoughts. And yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, coming up next but in the anyway. episode Tuvok and Chakotay inform Janeway of the program. Tuvok suggests that Kim may truly be dead. Janeway requests tricorder analysis of the program. In our next clip, Chakotay discusses alien mythology that relates to Beowulf, such as Vaksha of Rakela Prime. It is discovered that the protostar emitted... <laughs> I should really read this before I print it out from memory often. <laughs> uh, it is discovered that the protostar emitted energy that caused the holodeck to malfunction. This caused Kim to be converted into energy. This ancient Earth culture seems fascinated with monsters. Every culture has its demons. They embody the darkest emotions of its people. Giving them physical form in heroic literature is a way of exploring those feelings. The Voksha of Rakella Prime believe that hate is a beast which lives inside the stomach. Their greatest mythical hero is a man who ate stones for 23 days to kill the beast and became a saint. Such fables are necessary only in cultures which unduly emphasize emotional behavior. I would point out there are no demons in Vulcan literature. That might account for its popularity. Bridge to Chakotay. Chakotay here. Commander, we've analyzed your tricorder data. A deep level scan shows minute quantities of photonic energy. How could it be in the holodeck? We think it happened when we beamed aboard the samples from the protostar. There was a breach in the annular confinement beam, and photonic energy must have leaked into the transporter system. And from there, into other ship systems as well. We've already found some in the replicators. That raises an uncomfortable possibility, Captain. If the holodeck's conversion nodes were contaminated, Ensign Kim may have inadvertently undergone the process of matter conversion. You're saying he might have been converted into energy? We have to consider it a possibility. After all, the holodecks are basically an outgrowth of transporter technology. Changing energy into matter and back again. <sighs> Every time a program is run. Except it's not supposed to convert people. It's just another one of them holodeck gone awry episodes. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is right. just first. I'd be what did you guys... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'd be scared to go in the holodeck because yeah. every time they, they go into the holodeck, it goes wrong and the warp ends up getting shot or somebody else ends up getting blown up, especially in Voyager. What was it, Year of Hell or something, when the Herogen got on there? Christ, they had World War II oh, going on. The Killing Game, oh, It yeah. was the Killing Game. Killing yeah. Game, that was it, World War One even. But, oh, you know, I wouldn't want to go in there. You go in there for a nice picnic or something with well, your girlfriend. Like... You've got a couple of hours off, you walk in there, you're sitting next to a lake and a crocodile comes out. You try to end the program, it doesn't end the program, then the crocodile bites your leg off, you end up limping back after you've ended the program with, with the bloody leg pissing. To, to be honest, no. I think I would side with Reginald Barkley and just be like, uh, the, the pros definitely outweigh the cons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would try to, I would think, 
think you would try to create programs that have like no possibility of hurting you because for whatever re- for whatever reason they, they all choose programs that have a, a an element of danger to them. Like, do you notice I, when it's when- I, well? At least with Barkley, they actually showed what people would actually. Would actually use, do, yeah. Yeah, would use the holiday for besides sex. I mean, like in uh, Hollow Pursuits or in the Voyager episode where he is, uh, you know, mingling with the crew. You know, he's using it as escapism, as a fantasy. And it's completely right. harmless. But that's the only time I ever remember them showing the holodeck not really doing any harm, you know, not malfunctioning, you know. No, the, only, the only problem is that they've always got to end the program to sort of get out of that predicament. So if it was an erotic one, then, you know, life's such a bitch. but seriously i mean like i I think i heard it on another truck podcast like this holodeck even going back as far as next gen tries to kill the crew at least once every six weeks you know so you would think after the first time huh i think it's got a mind of its own sometimes it's got a mind of its own and so yeah, really, seriously, sometimes it actually does. But you would think, like, in this day and age, if your TV tried to kill you every six weeks, you probably wouldn't use it all that much. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'd put it out on the curb and say, yeah, you can kill the next person to picks you up. Right. So, hey, but somehow you- they, all, they always wanted to take the gamble and roll the dice and keep using the holodeck, so, okay. you know. So, okay, what I want to know what you guys thought. You know, when this episode starts out, it sounds like another holodeck malfunction episode, which it sort of is, um, until we learn about what's happening later. What did you guys think about all that in terms of this being the first season and then using yet another holodeck gone awry uh, it was only a matter. It was only a matter of time, really. Well, you know, they've already done two time travel themed episodes, and now they're going to this. It's another fallback, you know, thing they can go on and. Right, it, but did you think it was lazy? Still... Yeah, I thought so too. And so it, I was internally just groaning when this happens, and then of course Harry dies again, or so again, again. Yeah. Even the holodeck can, wants to kill Harry. You know, I, I really feel can sorry. I just, <laughs> can I just say? Okay. Can I just say that like? For Harry being the whole reason that this episode happens, they only give poor Garrett Wong one freaking line at the end of the sh- at, at the end of the show, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He drove the plot, but he didn't even show up until the last right. minute of the. And, episode. and all he said is, "All he said is good work, Doc," and that's it. That's his whole right. participation this week. Yeah, and I was reading yeah. on Memory Alpha. Uh, he got this great costume to wear for this episode, and they barely show any of it. And Garrett Wong was really. Uh, disappointed with that because he said it was a terrific costume. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt. Oh, I felt it was an easy paycheck. Yeah, I felt yeah. sorry for him. Yeah. It reminds me of like soap operas, you know, when they put a character in a coma. I mean, at least they could be on. <laughs> at least, at least they could be on screen, you know. I mean, but yeah. this Harry's just—he's energy. He's energy. <laughs> he doesn't even get to lie in a hospital bed. He's just energy. No, he pr- he, pr- he, he, he probably like came in for times an- later. He mm. probably came in for an hour. This whole shooting of this episode. Well, you yeah, know, sport, it's a bye week. Sport teams get bye weeks, don't they? I mean, I uh, yeah, that's true. But like, I I I feel like I feel kind of bad for Garrett Wong. I, I mean, because not. Yeah, because like a couple weeks back, he got sort of a mediocre episode to center around, and then it, he's not going to get a starring vehicle of his own until next season, really. And the poor guy never gets a promotion. Yeah, I was about to say, the only, only character oh, we discussed 20 this. times and no promotion. Yeah, I know. I, I, I listened to that one. It, it, yeah, every, everyone else gets promoted but Kim. 
Especially, especially when your best mates bloody getting demoted, promoted, demoted, promoted. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we the, talked the, about the, that. The, the ex-prisoner is getting promoted more than Ensign can. <laughs> yeah, poor dumb Harry. Well, you know what Kim should have done was use the holodeck to stage his own promotion ceremony, so he could at least pretend. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the, the whole escapism thing—that would have been a great way to have that realized. Exactly, and uh, to be honest, the, even even the doctor thinks of that one, and like does the uh, emergency command hologram. Yeah, yes, yeah, he does. Later, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, only, the, the only time we get to see poor Harry in command is in the final episode, and that's because it's an alternate timeline. Or when he's <laughs> on the it. night shift. Yeah, night shift. He gets the he gets the big chair. Yeah, he, yeah. Well, he gets his own like captaincy briefly in that in that episode and uh, whatever it's called, and then like the sixth or seventh season. No, that's the last episode yeah. where he's he's no captain. no Shit. no not not that he's oh like, oh the night you're thinking of the nightingale nightingale yeah yeah um, okay coming up next a mysterious bright mass appears in the program Torres tries to transport them out of the program but it does not work what a surprise they have disappeared <laughs> uh, next clip Lieutenant uh, Paris is convinced they may still be recoverable to prevent a rescue team being consumed in the same fashion Paris suggests that. The doctor could be used. A hologram can't be converted into energy. It already is energy. You're the perfect choice. How do you intend to transfer me out of sickbay? We'll have to modify your data stream protocols and imaging systems. But the fact that you're going to the holodeck simplifies things. The projection systems are already in place there. And we're going to give you complete control over your magnetic containment field. You'll be able to make yourself solid or let matter pass through you at will. Nothing on the holodeck will be able to touch you unless you want it to. I see. Think of this as your first away mission, Doctor. I can understand your hesitation. But there are three lives at stake, and you have the best chance of anyone on this ship to save them. Do you understand that? Yes. Good. Your job is to find the photonic energy surge and scan it closely. We need all the data we can get. You'll have to interact with the characters in the Hollow novel. So make sure you're familiar with the Beowulf story. Your circuit modifications will be finished in three hours. Yes, Captain. What would they do if they didn't have a holographic doctor? You know, I mean, this story was written just for Robert Picardo to, to act, I guess. But, but they do, but they do this a lot. I mean, like, with every crew, they have someone that they could use that would be potentially valuable. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, like... You in, know. in Next Gen, they always relied on Data. Yeah, Data would stack and then in, this. Data, Wesley. Data would stack the deck in poker and, and put three everywhere. And then even even in DS9, the fact that they had a changeling on board all helped a lot. Right, yeah, and that was definitely. a nice little twist about this holodeck episode. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I was just uh, glad to see Robert Picardo having, like, the center stage. Finally. Yeah, up until this point, he just had everyone bloody shutting down his program. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, th- I, I wouldn't call it quite center stage yet. I mean, he's getting close. I mean, I would call him like mm, just slightly left to the center. He's, you know, he doesn't fully have the whole episode. I mean, this isn't like author, author or virtuoso. He's yeah. no, it's not. Oh, he's, no. he's not there yet. You know, he's, you know, he's still learning, you know. Yeah. This is more than he's been given up to now, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's finally getting to do something outside of sickbay and talking to Kess, which is nice. 
Yeah. And also, it really opens up a whole world of uh, possibilities for him, like that he'll in future be able to use the holodeck as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Though the doctor yep. puts up a brave front, Kess gets him to admit he's unsure of himself and then offers encouragement. In the next clip, the doctor enters the holodeck and encounters Freya. He already knows every important detail about her due to his copious research of Beowulf. After Freya gloats of her exploits, the doctor asks Freya for Grendel's location. Speak as a friend. Or stand challenged. I am... Yes, you're Freya, the king's daughter. A female warrior known as a shield maiden. We have never met, and yet you know my name. Are you a sorcerer? No. It's simply that your reputation precedes you. A warrior of your skill. You're quite famous where I come from. I did not know that word of my deeds is carried to other lands. Tell me what you have heard. Well, your battle with... Sil the Gardain? Is practically legend. An incredible story. I burned his hall to the ground. There was nothing left but ashes. Charming. And did you hear of my campaign against the Heatho Barge to the south? I fought them for... I'd be delighted to hear all about it, but I'm on an urgent mission of my own. I'm looking for Grendel. Only a warrior would seek that which others flee. What is your name? I'm glad you asked. My name is Schweitzer. Dr. Schweitzer. Schweitzer. A hero's name. Come, I will take you to the king. Well, of course he knows everything about Beowulf. I mean, he is the database. You know, isn't that something Seven of Nine says? That's the thing. I didn't understand why he would have to have See, read, but he read uh, it. Beowulf. Well, he could have just downloaded it, right? He wouldn't have to yeah, read it. But it looks like he was sitting down to read it. That's the, you know. It, it, it was a bit of an inconsistency for me because I thought he would have just downloaded it maybe, to his maybe, program. Maybe he sat down to read it and they went, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> I'll just download it. <laughs> or maybe it was like with data where he, he quote unquote reads it, but it takes five seconds. Mm-hmm. That's true. True but, or, true, but or it was like me trying to read Beowulf in high school. <clears throat> he read See, it for that's five it, that's, minutes and said, Oh my god, this is terrible. That, that's the thing I wanted to ask. Did anyone have to read Beowulf in high school? Because I did. Yes, I did. I did uh, and I wanted I want to talk about this because this episode came out right about the time I was reading Beowulf for my ninth grade English class. And let's just uh, say right up front, there is there is no there is no Freya in Beowulf, unfortunately. No, there's not. That character was written in. But uh, yeah, I remember reading Beowulf and struggling through it. I mean, it's very hard to get through, especially when you're 14 years old. No offense to no offense to our no no offense to our English compatriots this week. Uh, Yeah, none intended. Just it's a very difficult thing to get through. Was it written by an Englishman? Was it? It's it's an it's an English epic poem, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, oh. that's the thing. Oh, I haven't read it. We enlighten ourselves <laughs> with other cultures rather than our own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, well, sorry about that. As you had to do it for English. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It was written a long, long, long time ago, and I'm pretty sure all the literature of that period was pretty hard to stomach. Uh, the thing I've read on, on Memory Alpha is that no one but the writer of this episode had actually read Beowulf before. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Oh, brother. <laughs> but, uh, so that's, well, 
I had to read that's it. Why, that's it why I wanted like, to ask because for, for me, yeah, for me it was mandatory reading. It, yep, same here. And so then yep. this episode airs, and I'm like, Beowulf, really? You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, and we read like, an abridged version of it, and I was bored by that. Well, so did I. So. It was, I. We didn't read the whole thing. It was an abridged version. Yeah. Oh, no, we had to read the real freaking text. Oh. Oh, Sean, that's even you worse. Back, Sean, and you would have gone back to your English teacher, or your, your teacher, or whoever's saying it to you, and you would have gone, well, this book's wrong, because I've just seen Beowulf on Star Trek. Where's Freya in the book? You've given me a defective copy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure she would have lowered my grade just for making that remark. Well, you so. should have been like... You should have told your friends, like, "Hey, you don't want you don't want to read this book, do you? Okay, just go watch this episode, and you get the gist." Just to show you everything. <laughs> oh, it was ugh, yeah. That reminds Filthy, me. Purple. You guys are talking about high school in English. I once ripped off a Star Trek um, TNG uh, episode and uh, wrote it as a short story for my English class. I think freshman year. <laughs> oh, this is <laughs> which this one? Wrong. Do well. Um, no, um, <laughs> um, the, I ripped off the episode The Wounded from TNG. Really? Okay. Yeah, I wrote it as a short story. <laughs> no one caught it? No one caught it? Um, no, not really. I Actually, I did that twice. I ripped off an episode of uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Um, <laughs> nice. In, ju- in junior high. <laughs> About, I love that show. Yeah, about an alien abduction. It was where uh, it was. At, it was at a part when uh, they, there was like three campers. It's a famous incident. Uh, three campers by a lake. They get pulled up from their raft, and then they get hey, whatever. I've seen that episode. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I ripped it off. I wrote I, it's a short story. Nobody notices these things. I guess. Now that we're going, no, now that we're going off in this tangent, I have to tell you, and I have to send this to you, Josh, because I actually still have it on my computer. Mm-hmm. Way back when my senior year of high school. For my trigonometry class, no less, mm-hmm. we had one of our final projects is we had to write a paper in which we wrote a story that used math problems. Go figure. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, you know, they use math in Star Trek a lot, so I think I'll just write a Star Trek story. So I came up, I came up with my own original short story mm-hmm. using the Next Gen crew, the Dominion, and Tribbles. So oh. see, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. And I actually, if I do say so myself, I think I did okay. I mean, for a 17-year-old writing a Star Trek story. Post that in the show notes. It's actually a Word document. I'll send it to your email. Sweet. But, uh, yeah. And nice. Paul's just sitting across from me like nodding, it. going, yes, I've done the same. I did it uh, so have I, too. actually. I wrote short <laughs> stories for my English classes, too. It wasn't until you guys were talking about it, I was thinking, this is all ringing very true. And I remember in my English exam, I think at the end of the GCSE for your English, you had to, to write a story about something. And I did the same. Exactly the same. I don't know. I think I made up made it up myself. See, I used all the characters. See, that's my problem. I really wasn't concentrating on that sort of thing. I was, uh, I was just like waiting for the time to pass. I was too busy looking behind me uh, uh, up a certain girl's skirt, uh, girl skirt to <laughs> be worried about what I was writing. <laughs> yeah. Drew a picture on the paper that looked like a cave, but... <laughs> 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 oh man! Uh, memories. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> that's that's when you know you're. you're that's that's when you know you're. Real, that's when you know you're a real nerd, though, is when you start writing Star Trek stories for school. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. <laughs> All right. So, what's next? Uh, the king is introduced to the doctor, and the doctor engages with one of the king's men, Unferth in a sword fight to prove his worthiness in fighting Grendel. 
The doctor is victorious and soon gains the adulation of the king's audience. Our next All clip, hail Schweitzer. All hail Schweitzer. Oh. Doesn't that yes. sound like a great name for beer? That is yes. nice. Yes, I would drink that. Mm. Which is, I just love the fact that he chooses Schweitzer because every time they, they mention it, it sounds so ridiculous that these Vikings are hailing some guy named Schweitzer. Yeah, I, you know, I'd I, love but, to know yeah. how he it came just, up with that. I, don't know. I remember when I first he saw this. Off. Yeah, I, I was all my own alcohol, and I'm I'm gonna uh, 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 as a as a tribute to this episode, I will name one of the beers Schweitzer. Awesome. And there's there, there's your there's there's your slogan too. All hail Schweitzer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Schweitzer, Schweitzer, Schweitzer. <laughs> yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, it does kind of sound like a beer. Yeah, good point. Um, what were you gonna say about this, Josh? Though I forgot already. <laughs> um, Sorry. Sorry, I'm thankful. I can't remember. Um, our next clip later after a feast with the king and his men, the doctor joins Freya near a roaring fire. She is relaxed and at ease in the doctor's presence. She temporarily lets her guard down as they get personal. Do you know what it is to be alone among many and unable to speak your fears? I think I do. How do you survive? I'm still learning how. I'm sure that's not very helpful. Sometimes I believe I can see the moment of my own death. It comes in battle, I think. My sword raised high. It is said that fate often spares a doomed warrior if his courage can prevail. But there have been days when I felt my own courage falter, and then you came. I'm glad I could help. Perhaps I can help you. Before combat, it is most important to stay warm. <laughs> well, you've done an excellent job with the fire, I'm sure I'll... Fire is not the only heat, Lord Schweitzer. You know where I sleep. This is probably, I think, the most enjoyable scene, at least to me. I would say so. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think the Doctor would agree as well. <clears throat> I, I enjoy seeing, uh, I don't mean just from the Doctor, just from Freya's, uh, from her character's standpoint. It, I enjoy it, seeing, uh, you know, strong-willed women when they let their guard down and uh, let let themselves be uh, frail for moments and expose Yeah, because she, she's out of the bridge, she's in her nighty, she's, you know, mm -hmm. very vulnerable. Yeah, you know, like we saw when we saw in uh, Eye of the Needle, when we, when we saw Janeway yeah. in her pajamas, you know, it's very... Um, Shows uh, you that they're just the same as us, you know, even though they haven't yeah. got that whole... It's sort, yeah, it's, know, yeah, it's very... Yeah, it's very deconstructing. Yeah, it really exposes their humanity in a way. Their Although, frailty. In this scene, she was very eager to please, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> she, you could just blame that on her programming. Oh yeah. well, she liked. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. She liked him from the get go, though. You know, she wanted to. She wanted to jump the, his bones. The line is like, "There are other ways that you can help yourself prepare for battle." I can sleep with <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> just, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, but still, I I'm pretty sure Harry would have programmed that in. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can imagine sitting there Are you sure? Off. He's the biggest cock blocker on the crew. <laughs> he is. He is. 
He is, but when it's holographic, I'm sure there's no holds barred. Yeah, I love Come the way on. Come I on. don't Come know. Come on, Charlotte. He never gets anything during the series. He never gets... Exactly. Why is that's, that? Well, that's what I'm saying. So even <laughs> on the holodeck, he's going to find some way to screw that up. Wait, 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 wait. Poor what? dumb Harry, just, he's never going to get any. <laughs> wait, wait, Kim is a cockblock? Who did he, who did he Major, yeah. Don't you remember that last week? Remember yeah, like Prime, Prime Factor. Factor. Not Prime, yeah, Prime Factor. Prime Factor. Yeah, Prime Factors. Who would honestly have left that girl, like, on the other side, like, 40,000 light years away and go, oh. oh, hang on, I've got to tell the captain. No, no like, not only are they, they're on a beautiful, they're on a beautiful planet 40,000 light years away with, with winds that are supposed to make you feel sexy. So like yeah, and then even that doesn't get him. Yeah, and then and then and then he goes and interrupts uh, the Nookie that. Uh, Janeway. That, Janeway, Janeway, Janeway she doesn't get any. Well, yeah, yeah that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that, well, that's that's where the block comes into play. I mean, him not taking up the, you know, the advances of the woman. That's just a lapse in judgment. Well, you know, he's, well he screws it up. For, what I'm trying to say is he screws it up for himself and everyone else around him. Uh, yeah, that's, that's why he's a cockblock. You just know that he's the only Starfleet officer that has been to Riser and never got any. <laughs> well, you never know that. Maybe, maybe no. Maybe Jordy did that too. That's true. That's a good point. Like him, like, like, from Tom Paris. Well, like, Jordy didn't make it to Riza. He got abducted, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, that's true. I got. Mm-hmm. But, but you, so he can't like, even get to Riza. Poor Jordy. Once Voyager gets home, him and him and Jordy can compare notes. Kim and Jordy. <laughs> well, at least in an alternate timeline, I mean, uh, Jordy did end up with Leah Brahms, at least, and that was something. Yeah, but yeah, that only went up when the real one found out. No, 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 no. the alternate no, timeline. In, the, in, the, in, in all good things, he's married things, to Leah. He's married oh, to oh, oh the end. yeah. Because it's because I've just watched the other one when he was actually uh, with her on the holiday. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. they are interrupted by readings of photonic energy. It is Grendel. The doctor escapes to sickbay, however, minus a holographic arm. Later, while researching the doctor's tricorder readings further, Paris and Torres discover synaptic patterns. The protostar samples are discovered to be photonic life forms and break free from the sample, passing the containment field and traveling about the ship. In the next clip, Janeway allows the organism to escape through the hole and later comes to the conclusion that Kim, Tuvok, and Chakotay were converted into energy and up the three patterns and made up the three patterns present in the photonic mass. We have good evidence now that there are photonic beings that live in that protostar. Life forms that have intelligence. We didn't know that when we beamed those energy samples on board. We had no idea that what we were doing, in essence, was capturing those life forms. We locked them in a containment field and began to experiment on them. If my people were taken like that, I know what my response would be. I would do whatever was necessary to get them back. Then you think they have simply retaliated against us? Yes. These beings can manifest themselves on the holodeck, in the matrix of a hollow character. That's how they were able to take our crew members hostage. Captain, if you're right about this, then we should return the remaining life form. A gesture to show we mean well. It's certainly worth a try. If I took the life form onto the holodeck and release it to Grendel, maybe they'll understand and release our people. Ordinarily, officers go through intensive training before they're put into a first contact situation. But you're the only one who can do this safely. I'd like to finish what I started, Captain. 
I can do this. I agree. Make arrangements to transfer the life form to a container so the doctor can carry it. This is a lot of, you know, techno babble, but it's essential. Yeah. At least uh, that's why this clip is included, because it really does advance <laughs> the plot. It's probably not all that interesting, but uh, this is where she uh, pretty much comes to the conclusion um, that we're going to go off of uh, for the last half of the episode that they are energy and they need to get them out. I don't know. As holodeck episodes go, I mean, this predicament, um, I don't Granted, know. like, in, 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 in any, all the other holodeck episodes, they didn't think of this conclusion before, but it's still kind of run-of-the-mill. Well, I mean, had, right. had DS, well, DS9 had already done that episode, right, where they were um, Our Man Bashir? Not right? yet. Oh, they hadn't? Not yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. That, w- that would have been the season following this one. I don't I don't know how you keep all of this in memory, Matt. I have no idea. I mean, I know, I, I know this happened. I don't know the sequence of events. But. Now, bringing the remaining organism in a container, the doctor claims the sample is a talisman to defeat Grendel. Unferth believes the doctor to be in league with Grendel and attempts to slay him, but Freya sacrifices herself instead. She dies in his arms. Aww. I was sad to see her go. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. Well, you know she had to die. I know she had to die, think... but I was still sad to see her go. Yeah, it was an, it was an okay yeah. death, I guess. Yeah, but do you think the Doctor ever just uh, re- reopens the program with her in it, just say hi? No. I don't think so. Based on what he says about not taking the name Schweitzer, uh, I figure it would be too painful for him. Which I thought mm-hmm. stunk. I wish he would have kept the name. Yeah. You pick a name and you stick with it. That's what I was going to say when I couldn't remember what I was going to say. It's every, like, when, when I was first watching Voyager when it premiered, you know, um, I remember when they, w- they would always kind of tease you with the doctor's name. And at first yeah. it was um, some other crap. Zimmerman. Zimmerman, and then Schweitzer, and then Schmullis. And I'm like, God, all these names suck. Well, Schmullis was like a pet name. It wasn't like actually well, the name he was going like, to say. Yeah. I know, but whenever they would flirt with the idea, I'm like, God, they're not really going to do that, are they? That name is terrible. And then you come to the realization no. that he can never have a name. His name is the Doctor. Any other name would never be good enough. Well, know? and yeah. like I said, in that final episode, alternate timeline, he settles on Joe. Well, even if his name was, yeah. even if he decided on, you know, um, the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller, Lord Humongous, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't matter. It would, it would never be good enough. Yeah, it, like, well, right. even Par- even Paris says in that one episode, it took you thirty-five years to come up with Joe. <laughs> yeah. I would have liked it better if he went with something really generic like Bob Smith or something like that. <laughs> you know what I did like in this episode is that he introduces himself as Dr. Schweitzer. Mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. was great. Right. right. I like when he tells the war stories at dinner about how he cured that virus or whatever. Right, and he's <laughs> boring him to death. Yeah, the Vikings the, are like, the, the, okay. no, the, king, the king is like, oh, oh most interesting tail <laughs> yeah. he was being quite diplomatic really i mean you think that you know when zimmerman programmed the doctor he would have programmed him not to be so um egocentric but but, uh, zimmerman, I, I, no, but zimmerman was modeling it after himself and zimmerman is egocentric yeah, yeah right. that's the thing after seeing um uh, dr bashir i presume it pretty much explains exactly why the doctor starts out the way it is because he, he just wanted an exact carbon copy of himself well, you know what? This is going to come up a lot in in 
in my mind, at least. Maybe I'll, I won't address it. I know I have before, but it's 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 the doctor's sentience. I mean, we never really get um, something that really proves, at least early on, that the doctor really is a sentient life form. I mean, with, with Data and TNG, you had measure of a man, and that yeah. was early on, and you had something that addressed his sentience. The doctor, I mean, whatever establishes that he's ever acting outside of his programming, like any other holographic character. But, but the thing is, the thing is, is that as we go through this series, he's he says in the first episode that he's only programmed to be a medical emergency, you know, technician and nothing more. Like that's the extent of his programming, and just the fact that he can start singing opera and start developing relationships. I mean, there's that whole episode where um, his his memory becomes fragmented and they have to put him back together. So they, they use the Louis Zimmerman hologram. Oh yeah. I love that. I mean, he's, you know, he, and no, but he's, but the, the Zimmerman hologram says, what is all this unnecessary crap in your, in your programming? <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's good stuff, but just, they never really, uh, addressed it up front, like measure of a man, you know, no, they never no, I did. Don't, they, I, don't, no. I don't think it would have actually been addressed until he actually got back to the alpha quadrant because he doesn't well, have anything to prove with Voyager. Well, actually, they they do kind of address it in author author when he's trying. They're trying to argue that he's a person to control his own hollow novel. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but that's yeah. in, that's in season seven. I mean, it's all that, right yeah. Those. That's one of the last episodes. I think it should have come earlier, but still. Yeah, photons still, be free. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's hard to play though because in uh, next gen they had obviously uh, uh, shown that Moriarty was a sentient being. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so, and that Moriarty was always aware of like how long he had been inactive for. Did you guys? So, yeah, did you guys read that about Moriarty? Um, uh, the backstory about that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, go for it. Oh, are you talking? Are you talking about like I read there was some there was an earlier version of Elementary Dare Data where Picard tricks Moriarty and then like erases him or something like that. Is that what you're talking about? No, um, <laughs> that's interesting though. Um, <laughs> No, yeah. I, I read that uh, Moriarty was supposed to be a recurring character, but they couldn't get the rights uh, to use his oh, character on oh, the yeah. show. So <laughs> that's why he re- that's why it took him so long to resurface in Ship in a Bottle. Oh. By the way, can I just can I just say that when I went to go see the new Sherlock Holmes movie, I I kept thinking the whole time, why don't they just deactivate Moriarty? That would help the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, our next <laughs> clip, impassioned by the death of Freya, the Doctor confronts the King and his men, and proclaims himself to be the only one who can defeat Grendel. Unferth accuses the Doctor of killing Freya, but he is quelled by the Doctor's bravado. My lord, you know me as a true warrior. You know I am the one hope you have to rid your kingdom of Grendel. That talisman will aid me in my conquest. I must have it. Do not listen to him! He has already killed Freya. Stop him, my lord! He is a madman! The only reason you won't die is that I've taken an oath. To do no harm. Grendel! 
I'm ready for you. I don't know if you can understand me, but watch. I'm setting this one free. I rather liked seeing the doctor pick up that uh, rather mighty sword. Oh, he did look good with that. He looked very good with that. <laughs> I mean, they, they it, managed to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, it, it does clash with their pajama uniforms, but it, it, it was nice to see. Uh, I mean, the doctor does have bravado. I, I like that. I mean, I didn't use the word. Memory Alpha did, but he does have <laughs> I, I, uh, He does have it, and he pulls it off. It was nice. I mean, this is. Uh, I mean, I've mentioned in plenty of our shows past that, you know, seeing the doctor. Uh, seeing Robert Picardo take the spotlight always elevates the show. Even oh, if, yeah. Even if the show is, you know, medi- if the episode is mediocre, his scenes will always stand out just because he's Definitely. interesting to watch. And Definitely. getting him to see him play like that was really fun. So I, I enjoyed that. The Doctor calls for Grendel, who appears in the throne room. The Doctor sets free the photonic organism in the sample container. He asks Grendel to return the crewman. Grendel agrees, and Tuvok, Chakotay, and Ensign Kim are returned without harm. Isn't this when Kim says, uh, now what's going on? Isn't that his line? His, his, yeah. His one line. His one line. This whole episode. Right. In the final clip, Janeway praises the Doctor for aiding in the establishment of a peaceful relationship with a new species. Moreover, she tells the Doctor that she is giving him a special commendation for exemplary performance as Chief Medical Officer. The Doctor is humbled. It's one of the most exciting aspects of space exploration. Meeting new species, establishing communication, sharing differences, similarities. 